10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Good morning, fine fellows, and welcome to the Friday the 13th morning break, the start to the end of your week. I am Dorian Brown. It is Friday the 13th of May. We are broadcasting from the Teachers Talk Radio Crypt. The S word is on the menu again today. How well is sustainability education incorporated into the International Baccalaureate, and how might that be improved? If you're listening, please text in or tweet, and let's talk this out. Live from Qatar, this is the morning break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome Team TTR. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Um, Exams have started and, and for me, I feel it's a big relief. Uh, I cast my mind back to last year and, and the year before that when we were um, fervently, fervently and, and feverishly calculating tags and CAGs and, and all that jazz. And, and I just feel that um, a huge weight and, and, and pressure really has been punctured. And you know now we're starting to return to some sort of semblance of, uh, of normality. Um, the debate does, however, obviously rage on online and in other avenues uh, regarding uh, exams themselves, GCSEs, A-levels, etc. And I imagine that this will continue to do so uh, until a sort of realistic and, and, and robust and, and, and valid alternative is presented. Um, but again, this could take uh, an incredible amount of time even after that. Um, so it is uh, the 13th of May today, so I'd like to wish Mr. Stevie Wonder a very Happy birthday to him. 72 years young today. Uh, I I often uh, think on his birthday, for example, will his family sing or play his song to him? Um, I wonder. If you're listening, Stevie, uh, let us know. Um, Whilst we're on the subject of birthdays, I'd also like to uh, give a shout out to a very close chum of mine, Mr. Roberts, who hit the magic 4-0 yesterday. That's 40 trips around the sun, and he doesn't look a day past 50. Uh, I really do hope you have a lovely day, sir, uh, with the family. Um, And yes, many happy returns. So moving on to our on-fleek word of the week, or should I say words of the week, because today it is a long one, so you have to bear with me. The word of the week is... Frigatriskidekaphobia. That comes from Frigg, which is the Norse uh, goddess of wisdom, who is uh, who Friday is named after, uh, and the Greek words triskedeka, meaning thirteen, and phobia, meaning fear. So putting all those words together, Frigatriskidekaphobia it means the fear of Friday the thirteenth. Uh, now, something a little bit less of a mouthful, I suppose, and related to that, and sort of throwing in a, a, a bonus word for you. If you just take triskaidekaphobia, that is the fear of the number 13, which is actually a much more common fear uh, than the actual day, uh, Friday the 13th itself. And the, the, the fear of the number 13, I, I, I'm sure everybody is aware, really, that it, it, it leads to um, things like buildings not having the 13th floor, hotels, for example, hospitals not having a 13th floor or ward 
airports not having a gate 13 and, and, and restaurants not having a table 13, etc. So it's very much real and it does affect a lot of people uh, and businesses. I think there's... Uh, uh, don't have any statistics to hand, but I think there definitely is a, a bit of a dip when it comes to uh, certain uh, uh, sort of economic activity, uh, perhaps over such days, and perhaps people have taken a little bit more of a cautious uh, approach. So uh, please, uh, you are more than welcome to join us in the safety blanket of the Teachers Talk Radio um, uh, show today. Um, however, uh, when you think about the, the this fear of of, of the number 13 it is in fact a kind of a western uh, phobia as the, the the number itself was actually a lucky number in in in, in ancient china um and the Chinese actually fear the number four. So four is the equivalent of the Western number 13. Um, the reason the reason being is that the sound of the number four tz, is uh, very similar to the word for death. Uh, so just like in the Western world, uh, it would be very rare in China to find a fourth floor in a Chinese building, a gate four at an airport or a fourth row on a plane, etc. So Yes. All very fascinating stuff, I'm sure you'll agree. Um, it's just another day, ultimately, isn't it, though? Uh, but it is time to, to, to crack on and get back to the show in hand. Now, hot off the heels of the UK government's published strategy for um, sustainability and climate change in schools, uh, my guest today and I are going to be uh, examining the current provision of sustainability education in a particular programme. We're going to look at the International Baccalaureate. Now, I've done a few shows on the, uh, the IB before. Um, it is widely taught internationally, and there are uh, over 100 schools, I think, in the UK, which also do offer the, the, the programme itself. Um, we're going to try and pick through what we feel is done well in sustainability education in the IB, and, and hopefully that might signpost or flag up some possible ideas for other programmes that the, the A-levels can learn from and perhaps maybe adopt. But what we'll also do, obviously, we'll give it to our... Uh, due diligence and, 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 and critically look at perhaps maybe what is done in the IB that could possibly be improved, not just in the provision within the individual curricula, uh, but also through the training of staff uh, and teachers as well. So to help me sort of wade through this, I am welcoming, welcoming back my sustainability and education gurus, Alex Catalo and John Cannings. They both have a huge wealth of experience working in the IB programme itself, uh, as well as specifically within uh, a number of different projects and, and sustainability programmes in a range of, uh, of different contexts across the world. So they really are the... Uh, the, the the oracles or, or not necessarily the oracles I'm sure they wouldn't uh, say that but they, they they've they've walked a lot of miles in the sustainability shoes and they've seen they've seen things um, so if you are listening live uh, please do share your thoughts and questions um, or ideas through the the, the text function here um, or you can also tweet in the show uh, and I'll sort of pick up your contributions towards the end of the show um, and unpack uh, some of those ideas as well. So before we do that, as always, let's see what Steve Woods has got for us in the Two Minute Tech. And John and Alex will join us on the other side. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello. This week, 
we're going to take a look at the much coveted presentation clicker. It's a must have device for a lot of teachers out there as it allows you to move slides whilst AFK. For those new to 2 Minute Tech, AFK is away from keyboard. Ranging in price from £8 to £30, this classroom essential allows you to stretch your legs and make a few shapes while you dance around the room. Some of us have a mandatory piece of blue tack over the built-in laser pointer, others have invested in a bit of duct tape, so we ensure the device meets health and safety regulations, and most of us have a small stash of AAA batteries in a secret place that we never admit to having. Well, Clicker, I'm telling you to stand aside. The mini wireless multimedia keyboard is taking your place. Having a lower price range of £8 to £15 and being able to do everything that Clicker does except blind pupils, as it has no laser pointer, and wait for it... It is rechargeable. You have full keyboard and mouse control from anywhere in your classroom. You can move slides on, Alt-Tab to switch applications, type, use Spacebar to stop and start YouTube clips for questioning, battery life is quite honestly ridiculously long, and if it runs out, a five-minute charge on the USB lead will get you through your lesson. All I can say is if you're considering replacing your clicker or are simply a gadget magnet, this is a must-have. Search for mini wireless keyboard in any online shop. The only thing I say is get one with a light up keyboard if you present with the lights off. As always don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Qatar this is the Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio. This is the Friday morning break and thank you very much there, Steve, for your two minute tech. Joining me now in the studio is Alex and John. Uh, this is now the second appearance, uh, having uh, unpacked an immense amount of things on sustainability in our first show. It would have been rude for me to not have them both on um, and perhaps maybe focus a bit more specifically on one of the cans of worms which we actually opened uh, in that first show. So welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio, Alex and John. Thank you. Thank you very much. Fantastic. And just uh, for the listeners, the benefit of the listeners who uh, didn't catch that first show, but will obviously now be going back to, to re-download it. Uh, could you give us a really quick sort of brief introduction of who you are and, and your journey in education to now? OK, well, I'll start. Um, I started off my teaching career in Australia, um, teaching at uh, a, a, boys school, a couple of boys schools in Perth, Western Australia. Then I uh, moved to Europe and worked in a couple of places in the UK, worked in London and also in Nottinghamshire with uh, both middle school and high schools. Then moved to Switzerland and uh, lived and worked in, a, in an IB school there for um, 19 years. Um, during that time, my time with the IB, I've also been an examiner, a workshop leader, and also been involved in curriculum development. Um, after leaving the IB school, I went into a Swiss bilingual gymnasium and worked in the um, uh, Swiss Matura program for three years. And currently I'm freelancing retirement. <laughs> 
<laughs> Fantastic. Well, a, a, a checkered um, career up to this point and, and many and varied, John, and lots of experience, I'm sure, uh, for us to, join, to, um, to, to, to draw on for this conversation. So thank you very much for joining us. And same to you, Alex, please. I started teaching in the UK, in the UK state system, um, and four or five years out, uh, into that, I moved to Japan, and then that's where I had my uh, initial experience with the IB diploma program. Um, from Japan, uh, I moved to the US, Chicago specifically, and worked in curriculum development there. Uh, then on to Bahrain, um, where I continued working in the IB program as a biology teacher and uh, coordinated their TOK program. And um, from there to Hungary as a biology teacher. And now here I am in the UK um, working in seemingly all sorts of things, but um, <laughs> doing some curriculum development at the moment as well. Wonderful. A lot of air miles, I think, if we added up all of the, all of that between all of us by the sounds of it. And it's absolutely phenomenal to be able to have you uh, back on the show, both of you, just, uh, you know, because you have, by the sounds of your, your journey, such a wealth of experience in loads of different contexts. And I think that's really important when we're talking about sustainability, because there is not one, you know, cookie cutter approach to sustainability. So it's really beneficial to have uh, the, the, the range and breadth of experience that you've had on the show. So uh, what, what we are going to do uh, in today's Today's show to in order us to kind of be a little bit more kind of um, surgical, I guess, with with, with what we're looking at um, is we're going to focus specifically on sustainability in the uh, international baccalaureate curriculum. Um, now, I know uh, both of you, have, as you just said, have have worked uh, with the curriculum, the DP specifically. But John, I think you've kind of worked in schools where there's been a little bit more of a range. So I wonder if you'd be able to just for our listeners that are unfamiliar with the with, with the IB curriculum, could you give us a really quick overview of their programs? Okay, well, so the IB actually run four programs. It starts with the primary years program, which is um, a really a, a much more thematic approach to, to um, education. And of course, allows for work across subjects. One of the highlights of the primary years program is an exhibition that the students have to present in the last year of it. Then moving on seamlessly in the IB world is the middle years program, which runs basically from the ages of 11 to 16. Now, um, the IB provides really a framework here for um, education and um, it's up to schools to actually design their specific curriculum to fit this framework. Mm. Now, uh, as part of the framework, the students are expected to research and carry out a personal project, which is presented at, towards the end of the, the course and in the last year. And they're also expected to carry out um, service learning, so to be active in other words. The diploma program, which is the oldest end uh, of the programs, was the first one which was established back in the 1960s, is basically a university entrance exam. And the idea of it is, like the other IB programs, to present a really holistic approach to education. So the students have to study a, a range of different subjects. So they have to study mathematics, two languages, um, a science and a humanities and 
they may choose the, the sixth option, which could be either another humanities subject, another science, or it could in that be one of the art subjects. In addition to that, it has a, a core, which consists of, which all the students have to study, which consists of the theory of knowledge, uh, which is basically a critical thinking course, um, CAS, creativity, activity, and service, which is the, uh, I suppose, the experiential arm of, of it, and a compulsory piece of research called the extended essay, which is 4,000 words long. The most recent addition to their palette of, of courses is uh, the career program. And this is really, again, for uh, students in the last two, years of last two years of school. And it allows them to do uh, some academic study uh, combined with professional study. And normally that professional study is based in, in the local curricula, uh, local uh, courses that they are. So BTEC courses and vocational courses in England, for example, would fit into to that. And they also have a core and they're expected to carry out an ethical project and also to carry out uh, some service learning. So that's all four of, of, uh, of the courses. They have in common a common philosophy and mission, which is basically to provide holistic education. And there's throughout the four courses meant to be a, um, a set of skills that students are supposed to learn and uh, some definite uh, uh, specific approaches to teaching, which are supposed to be used. Wow, yes. Uh, thank you very much for that, John. That was very comprehensive. And I think um, those unfamiliar with IB, that can actually sound quite complicated, quite complex, actually. But I think when you, um, I mean, I guess when you when you teach it, when, you, when you're in a, a school which teaches it, it does, it, you have, you kind of learn on the job almost, and it eventually all fits into place and it makes sense when you're going to bring it together. And that's, like, I think, one of the challenges of, I guess, in the holistic education. But I think the if, if, if people sort of do a, a Google search for the IB diploma model, um, that's an, a, a, a nice little graphic which kind of shows how all of those things kind of fit into each other. We've got, you know, the approaches to learning, the approaches to teaching, you've got the core in the middle, and then you've got those six subjects, as you, as, as you mentioned, um, all kind of encompassed with the within global citizenship in an internationalism as well so it, it really is as, as, as John said there a, a, a holistic approach um, and you know in my experience of teaching it and I, I'll ask Alex as well to, to reflect on hers as well but uh, I, I do really feel personally that students have a fantastic uh, time doing it it is challenging it is it is it is tough uh, or it can be um, but I do feel that they, the the disposition shaped and the academic uh, rigor uh, and the experiences uh, really do benefit the students in terms of finding their place in the world if you like and and helping them uh, understand their identity so I think there's there's this multifaceted benefit of, of, of studying these programs of, yes, there's that academic rigor, but also it's those extra bits around the outside or the core, if you like, which I think uh, really make the program stand out uh, from other available ones around the world. Alex, what do you think of your what's your reflection of having worked in the IB as to as to the 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 benefits of it? Well, I mean. I, I love the IB program. I think it's absolutely superb for all the reasons you just stated, actually. Um, you know, it's, it sort of is holistic. It, it enables students to keep options open while still doing deep dives into subjects that they love. 
and it maintains core skills that we tend to lose in the UK with through the A-level system and um, key areas like maths and English, which you can drop, you know, so early on and it mm. sustains those throughout, which I think is incredibly important, actually. Um, the core is and has the potential to be absolutely superb. Um, and it's th the way it can uh, encourage students to really challenge their understanding of what they know, how they know it, and that they have an obligation as IB students to um, serve others, help others, um, to be able to wrap that all into a programme with the academic rigour that the IB has is, is really superb. Um, it is challenging, and I think it builds a very strong network within a cohort that's going through it, and they do feel like they go through it, yes, <laughs> I think, yes. you know. Yeah, I love that. Yes, thank you very much, and and I absolutely agree. It is it's it is intense, and that you know going through going through the you know the, the two years of, of the diploma program, you know there's high you know there's peaks and or actually just peaks. <laughs> it can feel like throughout the year with with rare, you know with deadlines because you're doing six subjects, you know not 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 compared to the, the 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 three or the four that you might be doing in A level, and you've got all those extras uh, from the core uh, coming in as well, which can which does add to the add to the demands I think but I think coming out of the other side I just feel that in terms of certainly for university preparation if you're doing the you know the extended essay the theory of knowledge I do feel that there is just that sense that the students are better prepared for for you know that next level of of education and as you said there the the the, the, the CAS you know the, the service elements etc it just I think exposes uh, students to you know some of the injustices perhaps maybe that exist in the world early on and kind of get them to thinking about how they might be able to address them and how perhaps maybe they might be able to make decisions in the future that might help um uh you know make the world a, a more peaceful and sustainable place um, so let me just take that last word of sustainable and sustainability because that's what we want to focus on really today um what I'd like to kind of think about um, is the, the word sustainability or, or, or the opportunity for us to, to teach sustainability. There are many and plenty opportunities, I think, that come up throughout any academic uh, curriculum. Uh, within the IB, um, is your opinion, and either if you can answer this, actually, would, would your opinion be that sustainability should be solely part of the academic curriculum? Should it be co-curricular, so taught in with, with the curriculum, if you will? Should it be extracurricular or perhaps maybe a little bit of all three? Yeah, um, I, think, I think it should be all three. Yeah. Um, my reason for saying that is that I think that, um, in talking about sustainability, it's clear there is need for more knowledge and understanding. Um, and so that could be implemented in more parts of the academic curriculum than it is at the moment. Mm -hmm. Certainly in the, in the theory of knowledge, um, there's the opportunity, but particularly with um, the core part, the NOAA of the current course, there is the opportunity to, to look at that in much more depth and look at some of the issues related to sustainability. And also to consider particularly some of the ethical issues that there are about sustainability and sustainable models. In, in terms of um, the core, um, the other parts of the core, I mean, one of the best opportunities for interdisciplinary work is probably 
exists, but uh, perhaps isn't exploited by a lot of schools, and that's the World Studies Extended Essay. And that does allow for a lot of themes uh, about sustainability. And in terms of CAS, there's a lot of potential, but that potential often isn't realized. That would be my observation from a, a lot of different schools and uh, as a workshop leader. Um, the potentials there from a couple of the learning outcomes that the kids are expected to meet, one of them is dealing with global issues. And uh, quite often um, that's not really understood about looking at how kids are interacting with global issues at a local level. Mm. And uh, that's, that's been a bit of a problem for students. So I think actually including sustainability in, uh, in CAS as part of the requirements for it is, is something I've certainly argued for. Mm. And a lot of other people have actually argued for when there's been curriculum reviews of, of CAS. Great, thank you, John. And Alex, are you in agreement with that as well? Um, yes, I am in agreement with that because I think um, sustainability is a sort of mindset, you know, and it requires an education. So I think that it needs to be embedded in the knowledge pathways, so through the subjects. Um, I think it needs to be embedded so deeply into TOK to develop uh, the ability to look through the eyes of others, empathy, and create sort of attitudinal approaches to managing the complexity of sustainability. And then through service um, regarding work, local work, rolling your sleeves up, you know, getting, getting your hands a bit dirty. So I think, you know, there's the IB diploma program specifically does lend itself superbly well to integrating sustainability, sustainability deeply within its program. Yeah, fantastic. And I just sort of scribbled a few things down as you were saying there, because it occurred to me that, yes, the IB, because of the nature of the core, because of the kind of extra components of it, there is more opportunity to, to, to bring sustainability and on top of the academics. And interestingly, in sort of preparation for, for, for the interview today, um, I just sort of word searched in the, in the geography uh, syllabus for the word sustainability, and it appears fewer than nine times, actually. Um, and of those nine times, about four or five of them are in the optional unit. So actually, overall, there's only about two or three mentions of the word sustainability. So I think there is an opportunity, absolutely. And it, and it should be, I, I feel, as I think we're in agreement part of the, the 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 knowledge base and not just geography by the way um, it should be across the the the, the board um, but you know something that perhaps maybe that a levels don't have is that extra op that extra opportunity to expose students to what you just said there alex the the exposure through service the exposure exposure through as john was saying uh to thinking about the the global issues um it made me think about the sustainable development goals obviously because in cast that's a really good way of us being able to um tie in students engaging with issues of global significance to be able to think about how those goals relate to their their locale and their projects in their locale so i think we're in agreement by the sounds of it that you know uh the IB offers phenomenal opportunities to be able to to, to weave in sustainability but perhaps maybe it could be better it could be done better i i would say so i mean you, you just talked about geography was it something like fewer than nine times um mm. biology i'm going to having taught it i can think of the syllabus outside of the option of ecology 
which is an option, mm -hmm. and the ecology unit, which for the biologists is, is topic four. Outside of that, um, you know, you have to be well versed in sustainability to weave it through mm -hmm. because it's not there. So it relies on the individual yeah. um, and their individual interest rather than actually making this explicit. Now, if it's thin on the ground in geography and biology, um, what does that say about every everywhere else? You know, from what what Absolutely. we had a look at the the various courses in the diploma program at least, and there are two other areas, three actually that the, we can think of where sustainability is mentioned. One's in economics, another is in business and management, and the third one it's sort of referred to is in um, ESS. Yeah, and. What um, outside of that, that's where it's specifically mentioned, outside of that, it's sort of referred to in um, the, uh, some of the language uh, guides as a global problem, but that requires the teacher to actually have uh, the ability to interpret that as sustainability. So there's no real compulsion for um, people to do that. And I think one of the other things to remember about the structure of the diploma, I've just mentioned those subjects. Those subjects are all within one of the groups of, of the IB, and yeah. um, basically the humanities. And there's a good chance that most kids will not actually study one of those subjects. And so as a consequence, they could completely miss having any exposure to sustainability issues. Yeah, it's fantastic for reflection. I think what you've both said there as well, uh, is something I hadn't thought of in, in the way that it is, the onus is particularly on, the, on the, the teacher to have that knowledge and understanding of sustainability, to be able to make that part of the lesson, make that part of the curriculum, rather than as you just said there, John, to uh, that, that it's mandated to, to, that you have to cover this. So that way, actually, depending on the, the um, dispositions of the teacher the experiences of the teacher your different students are going to be getting different interpretations of that of of of, of sustainability within the within within their subjects so uh, and i think we'll come on to that a little bit later because i think this all this kind of feeds into the idea of of, of training uh, staff and training uh, teachers uh, to teach with sustainability kind of front and center or at least certainly as part of the part of the planning process so we will we, we'll sort of I, I just interrupt there like yeah go for you, it before we were speaking about a conference i went to uh, where the school in switzerland's declared they're going to be carbon neutral by 2027 and one of the things came up when we were talking about curriculum was this that um that that looking at a lot of the problems of sustainability requires interdisciplinary work and even if you looked at the middle years program, um, in many schools, that's very conservatively structured. So in other words, it's into specific subject silos. Mm. So actually making that uh, change is going to be quite radical for schools. And one of the things which came out of that conference was uh, how important it's going to be to have culture changes within schools. Yes. Um... And that's a huge issue. <laughs> it's a huge issue because I think just from my own personal experience, trying to teach things interdisciplinary is really difficult to do. You know, whilst we can we, we see the links between the majority of our subjects, it's very difficult to do that 
in in the moment when you've got a syllabus to teach etc it's very difficult to kind of kind of you know make sure that you kind of are able to blend in your your bring in your maths bring in your drama bring in your whatever in your teaching so it's a it's almost a rethink on how we how we deliver perhaps and i think that was one of the things which we when we looked at uh, looked at the diploma and thinking about you know how could we implement this better for all kids it struck me that the core was the place to go because the students all have to do the core mm. and so i think that it provides a, a wonderful yeah. opportunity for actually ensuring that all students are exposed not only to the ideas but also to actually carrying out some actions about sustainability and they also and, have sorry and john just yeah you're absolutely right because uh, of course tok is really sort of interdisciplinary anyway it, it's embedded through the curriculum as well as being its own um its own standalone so it's kind of it is already in place and the, the thinking that goes along with theory of knowledge is already in place to kind of reach out into all of those silos for all students hence the core i suppose it's that is that central yeah. place which kind of allows students to kind of use it as a tool almost to 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 bring things together from their six different subjects i think that's a really really important point in reflection to to think about there um and, and that in fact answers my, my my question which is how important we think the, the the core is in preparing students for the future because i think it it it, it by, by the sounds of what you, the, the noises you're both making is that it is vital you know we have to be able to kind of uh empower students to to be able to to think interdisciplinary to 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 address these these issues of sustainability and the core is a really good vehicle in which in, in which we can do that I'd, I'd say so i mean it's the head heart and hands of the ib program isn't it yeah absolutely head hat tip to kurt hand there um so really fantastic thank you very much for that first bit what we're going to do now is we'll just pop to the quick the the ad break uh, and then when we come back we're going to speak a little bit more dig a little bit deeper into the ib and sustainability so we will see you in a couple of minutes this episode of teachers talk radio has been made possible with support from witherslack group the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development Every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. Introducing Bulb. 
With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb Digital Portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And welcome back to the Friday morning break. You are joining me with Alex Catalo and John Cannings. uh, And we have just had a fantastic revisit uh, to what the IB is uh, and started to kind of unpick really the the importance of um, teaching sustainability within a academic curriculum um, and also kind of highlight some opportunities for where perhaps maybe it can be done a little bit better, perhaps. Um, So let me ask uh, both of you now, when we're looking at IB and sustainability, what extent do you think that that curriculum educates and promotes issues of sustainability? I know sort of in section one, we kind of said that there were few, few mentions of the word sustainability within the curriculum explicitly. But when you think about the IB's mission and, and, and vision, I do mm-hmm. feel that there is an amount of inf- inference, I guess, made for sustainability. So how successful in your experience do you feel that that has been from the IB? I can probably start and um, John, we'll see if we, we agree or disagree. It'd be interesting to, to find out. But uh, when you look at, I suppose, the IB profile, the learner profile, mm. and you look at the ATLs, they present um, attitudes, dispositions uh, that lend themselves to developing a sustainable mindset. Um, they, they present the attitudes uh, that are necessary to create that, I think, societal shift in how we engage with the world and how we engage with stuff. Um, so I think in many ways, it's all there. And it reminds me when I look at the profile and I look at the ATLs, it reminds me of something I met just last week called the Inner Development Goals. Um, some of your listeners may have come across the Inner Development Goals. Um, it's a recognition it's a not-for-profit and there was a huge conference last week in Sweden and it's a recognition that to attain the sustainable development goals we need to build an attitudinal shift internally in order to do that and they identify five elements within their framework 
written, I hope I've just scribbled them down. So I hope I, I've got them right. So I don't want to misrepresent them. But I think we may see some overlap between the learner profile and the ATLs and the um, sort of aspects of their framework, which is being, thinking, collaborating, relating and acting. And within there, within each of those five areas, they have expanded those into sort of um, dispositions, I suppose. So things like um, being is associated with relationships and the inner compass. I'm not going to go through all of them because I, I would need mm. to draw up the website. <laughs> um, but uh, acting is about driving for change. Collaborating is associated with social skills. Thinking, of course, is cognitive skills. Um, relating is caring for others and the world around us. And I think there's a huge overlap between this inner development goals, which is going to be uh, producing resources, democratized open source work for this attitudinal shift to gear people up to look at the sustainable development goals and cope with them and cope with their complexity without feeling completely overwhelmed. Because initially it is overwhelming because, you know, as indivisible goals, um, it's lofty isn't it it's a wicked problem to try to create a sustainable future um which is why we're a long way from being able to do it because <laughs> we don't necessarily have the attitudes in place but the ib has already identified many of those attitudes that are embedded in these inner development goals anyway what they do with that moving forward is really what's in, what's relevant here because i don't think they currently take those attitudes and slant them for a lens that yes. promotes that shift. And I think as you say that, I've not, I've not heard of the inner development goals, I'm gonna look them up, uh, uh, but they, what the sounds of it is, is that, that the, they present a, a framework uh, or something that, 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 sh that students and teachers can engage with uh, and start to make that kind of attitudinal shift, uh, as you mentioned there, to engage with those development goals, sustainable development goals more fruitfully i guess exactly. um because if you're just conditioned you if you're presented with a with a goal you know with these what are there 179 sub goals aren't they of of, of, of the sustainable goals it's it's a beast isn't it it it, it kind of adds it, um, students are presented with all of these big problems these big issues and and very little empowerment almost so uh having having shaping their, 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 their understanding, their being, their actions, et cetera, and, and, and getting them to reflect upon what they can do, the little things that they can do, the big things that they can do, perhaps maybe gives them that little bit more um, ownership and, 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 and belief that, you know, they are part of the, 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 the solution. Absolutely. Yeah. And that they have ownership over their actions and their actions contribute both to the, a positive future and also a negative present. Yes, yeah, I, like I, I think one of the things you, you just stressed about about uh, student empowerment here, and I think one of the, the big problems that, that's faced at the moment is actually about the role that teachers have and the need for them to actually be empowered to actually and given the opportunity to actually carry out um, this, the values and things that we've been, just been talking about. Uh, and I think that's a massive challenge. And one of the, the challenges that the IB faces, but particularly with the diploma program, is there's so much emphasis on exam performance mm. that talking to colleagues about, about the approaches to teaching, for example, 
a lot of people simply are so obsessed with just getting through the course that looking at you, for example, using an inquiry approach to teaching tends to go out the window because they just simply aren't going to cover the course they've got. So one of the things which um, I know there's about to be a, a diploma review, and one of the things which has to be considered is the simple amount of volume of knowledge that's required in each of the courses. Then I think we would have a much better chance of seeing the culture shift, which Alex was just talking about, that it is necessary. And I think that's one of the things which is a, a massive challenge for the IB at the moment, is actually developing teachers and empowering teachers enough within the school to actually be able to reflect the very good structure that they actually provide. Yeah, I think, John, I think that's a really good point. And I, perhaps the IB needs to assess what, what it really wants to value and what it wants to place value on um, when it comes to the structure and assessment of their program or programs. Yeah, I, I, I'll um, sort of chime in there, I think, as well, because I think, again, a really val hugely valuable point there, what you've made about that, the, the volume of knowledge, I think, um, because it's a it's a, it's a it's a balance, isn't it, really, the balance between how much, because I, I, I remember vividly, you know, it's always a bit of a race to kind of finish the content and therefore your 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 the the things that you would like to do to, 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 to draw out to make those links with TOK to kind of get a bit more critical thought a bit, you know, linger longer, dig deeper, all those things kind of go out the window towards the end of the course. And when you think actually that's the most valuable time to actually do those things, because the knowledge base of those students when they come to the second year is stronger and therefore you know or there should they should know more things by the end of year 13 and therefore that's where you're going to get some really kind of quite powerful critical thought from them but ultimately sometimes because of the time and the perhaps the amount of knowledge in the curriculum uh, that that gets waylaid sometimes can i just just come on a, a bit more that uh, and talk about cas and and mm. one of the big issues that it faces i think and I'm gonna, i'll be fairly much to the point but one of the things which has come across from the students and listening to a group of students last week was this, that they have some great ideas, but they don't have the, the project management skills, which if you look at the four IB programs, at each stage of the four programs, they're expected to uh, show the ability to carry out a project. And yet they don't actually have formally embedded the skills that are necessary to do that or to actually be activists in CAS particularly towards sustainability. And that was one of the things which talking with the kids last week, which came up that they feel they don't, they'd like to do a lot of things actively, but they lack the skills and time to actually do it. That what you've just said there makes it a phenomenal point to uh, my guest last week. Um, Jabiz was talking about how he, how, giving exp experiential learning was only he felt in his in his experience was only as powerful uh, when the students went into these experiences not knowing things um, so there's that very powerful kind of aha moment or that penny dropping when you when you kind of put uh, a kind of a, a a privileged IB student from an international school in a kind of a in a in a very uh, uh, 
unfair situation and then suddenly they see you know how unfair the world is because just because of geography I'm my life is completely different to this person's and that's a great moment a great kind of learning experience but Jabi's argument was just like well before we actually put them there let's talk let's teach them about colonialism let's teach them about injustices let's teach them about give them all of the knowledge that actually when they do have that real life experience that they've they, they, the reflect, reflections are a lot richer because of the amount of knowledge that they do know yeah i couldn't agree more yeah there's there's lots of examples of that with with cast where kids have put it and also with their personal project where kids are put in uh situations which they're just not really prepared for mm. oh it's phenomenal do you know what one thing that i was thinking of as well in this in, in this last uh that last uh bit to end this up as i was thinking obviously the ib has been going for uh, uh oh you have to help me out here john 56 50 60 years yeah something like that yeah so I'm, I'm i'm thinking and this is this this was back to the very beginning point when you when you said about how student empowerment is a huge challenge to 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 parents there must be parents now that have gone through the IB system. Um, perhaps maybe not as, as many as, as, as there can be, but I feel that there's a bit of a disconnect, there, there has been a disconnect or, uh, you know, an, old, an older person, an adult person's experience of school, you know, the point I think, <laughs> what, I'm try, what I'm trying to kind of get at here is that the, the attitude to, to, to education uh, is different from though you know because education has changed somewhat uh, and and i think if, if if parents have gone through the ib system then they understand better uh, about the nuances the differences the challenges etc um whereas you know a lot of parents can have the kind of approach that oh this wasn't how school was in my day or you know this is how we did it in our school why aren't you doing this so they, so it creates a bit of a so i wonder if we're going to get to this stage where they, you know with the, there's been a, enough parents that have gone through the, the the ib that that can kind of really understand the you know the the the, the, the mission and vision and be very supportive of our programs I think there's definitely a, a group of parents, but you have to remember how quickly and the IB itself has grown, particularly in the last 10 years. And so the, the, the core of people that were educated with the IB in the first 20 or 30 years is actually relatively small. Mm, mm. It's exciting, though, to think about how that's going to perhaps maybe, maybe maybe grow moving forward fantastic okay so that next question then is something which i think we've we've, we've touched on um uh, already but i think it's an interesting uh thing thing to examine uh so we've talked about how the con concept of sustainability has uh has been implied uh within the ib learner profile which you mentioned there alex um and you know those traits are things like caring which actually explicitly says sustainability in it that that particular trait it says principled it says open-minded uh, open-minded reflective etc so those are the kind of the the characteristics which we hope to embody uh, uh within the students whilst we are kind of delivering the the the, the curriculum um, so there is a little bit of sort of implication there of sustainability on the actual IB model, which we talked about at the beginning uh, itself, those sort of concentric circles with the core at the, 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 the middle. Um, there isn't the word, the, the, the word sustainability doesn't appear. So do you think that in this, you know, we're, we're looking at how we can perhaps maybe be more teach more explicitly about sustainability in the IB programme, do you think that the word sustainability itself should be a more prominent part of that model? And if so, 
where should it fit? Is it one big circle all around the rest of the circle or, or what? Can I, I'd like to answer a couple of points you made. I think there's uh, something else here which is important from a systemic point of view with the IB. And that is that um, in its standards and practices, which every school is authorised, one of the things it should refer to is about sustainability. Now, I couldn't come up with a, a phrase right now about what that should be. But um, then it puts the onus on the school, not only to look at the curriculum, but also its operations. And schools uh, play a very significant role with their operations in potentially in sustainable practice. Mm. And I think that's something which also needs to be included in their standards and practices. So it's used in the authorization and reauthorization of schools. And I think in terms of um, your suggestion, perhaps if you're going to have this circle, um, is to look at having sustainability as the outer part of the circle. So it encompasses everything within it. Right. Yeah, great. Do you think the same, Alex? Or um, <laughs> it's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> it is it is tough because you know there are, and it, it's while it's hard for, for me personally to understand this, there are negative connotations with the word sustainable and sustainability that I've come across. And um maybe it it will take an organization like the IB to stand up there and put that circle around the core to say this is a connected core and it's connected to this. Um, John and I, I think we're, we're very much on the same page as to how we could possibly connect the core to sustainability deeply. Um, we've talked before about TOK effectively being the head of that, the intellectual harmony. Uh, where we connect TOK to contemporary issues, linking it into sustainable aspects, sustainability within the curriculum as well, because that is now in this fictitious future is deeply embedded in across all DP subjects. Um, and we use those different lenses to tackle wicked problems from a TOC perspective. From there, we move on to how that feeds into our experiential effort, the hands, the CAS, professional proper project management using models to and, and using the lenses from TOK to identify what kind of experiences students want to have and then feeding our head and our hands into what is a passion project a heart where extended essays perhaps are a real deep dive into a project that actually is solution driven community minded and has relevance to place, which is rather important from an international school's perspective. So there are ways, I think, where the core could be, the nuance of the core mm. could be adjusted to sort of embed yes. a sustainable mind. I like that. So that's moving from the big circle around the outside from John's idea of having sustainability and everything else inside it to weaving sustainability into every individual component, as it were, right? And thinking about how maybe that the, those core elements, um, you know, because like you said, I think the, the, the word sustainable sustainability can carry some negative negativity with it. It is just a word, but what does that word mean? And what does that word mean to whom? Um, and, and, and so how, so unpicking that and being a bit more thoughtful about that within those kind of core areas um, can perhaps maybe then help the students themselves devise or develop their own 
personal understanding of what sustainability means and what you know what what actions that they can take um, in in a world to be more sustainable. Absolutely, and in doing so, we build a connected core rather than a disconnected core, which it currently is disconnected. You know, talk and cast. Unless you you deal with things like what does it mean to serve in talk, mm. um, the the TOK cast and extended essay are d- distinct aspects of the core, but sustainability could be the tool that brings it all together and develops sort of action around a passion project that. Uh, can can really change that emphasis entirely and create the empowerment and attitudinal shift needed to address sustainable development issues at a local level. Um, To give that a hard edge, um, what we suggested in in, in a presentation that we did was that we would actually scrap the current assessment model for the core and we would base it on uh, on this assessment, uh, sorry, on this passion project, which Alex referred to, and that one of the things which is doesn't function particularly well in in uh, most of the parts of the core is about reflection and what kids learn from things. And what we had in mind at the end of this particular um, project was that that it would be school assessed and then moderated by the IB, and that the kids, when unlike what they're currently doing with the extended essay, um, they would be given feedback from the teachers about uh, about what they'd done in their project, both from an experiential and in terms of the uh, academic side of things or the ethical side of things, and then they would have to give a presentation back about what they had actually learned, given that they'd had that invaluable feedback. Now, that doesn't really happen with the uh, extended essay particularly, and my experience as an examiner is it's not done very well. They have to be the Viva Voces, don't they, for the extended essays, but right. But to actually have your assessment piece as the reflection on process Hmm. and how it's made them think and feel and what they've done um, would be potentially uh, a meaningful internally meaningful process for the student which is really what this ought to be about exactly absolutely wonderful fantastic and and just circle back really quickly john just to finish that up on the sort of standards and practices what you're talking about can i just sort of check what what you were saying there is that sustainability is looked for in 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 reaccreditation but it's it's not stipulated but it's looked for is that what is that what you mean <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know that it's specifically looked for now, right? But I think it, it's something which clearly the IB recognises um, from a couple of the documents it's produced recently mm. that it needs to advise schools about. Now it seems really obvious, to, at least to me, that a very practical side of this is the schools' operations, mm. and if, for example, the IB is looking at schools to be more inclusive in the way they employ people and so on, mm. then is it any less important that we also look at how sustainable their own operations are? Mm. You know, where they source their materials from, um, how energy efficient the, the buildings are and so on. 
love that yes source for the uh the school uniform the canteens the there's there's a whole yeah there's a whole can of worms there isn't there as to as to how how schools operate um and should be the beacon you know should be or, or can have the potential uh to be the sort of beacons for for sort of operational sustainability perhaps um you know because you want to practice what you preach as you were you know as you say and kind of model to students you know that you know uh overuse of resources etc just isn't it isn't sustainable so it is a real kind of key opportunity for us to do it. but I've, I've spoken in, in in the past on a couple of shows in the past when we were sort of talking about governance how much of a challenge that can be um because you know budgets are very short term and and it's very difficult to kind of implement strategies for the mid to long term uh when when, when you're looking at budgetary issues and this is where it sort of I think we eventually came down to it being needing to be a mindset shift a cultural shift etc to actually kind of realize the, the, the these uh, ambitious uh, uh, changes wonderful now listen we're um, sort of nearing sort of nearing towards the end of the show and I know that we, we've got a uh, another section to talk through so let us just uh, pop to the news very quickly uh, and then after the news we're going to start to uh, unpick a little bit more about uh, the training aspect of sustainability uh, in the IB. So please bear with us and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. A poll of 527 head teachers from England, Wales and Northern Ireland has revealed that exam anxiety is causing high rates of pupil absence. A spokesperson for the Department of Education said, It is normal for exams to feel stressful for some young people and we recognise that may particularly be the case this year. Teachers know their pupils best and are well placed to work with them. Labour MP for Portsmouth South Stephen Morgan said, After two years of unprecedented chaos and disruption to children's education, we saw nothing to support children's catch-up learning in the classroom and nothing to tackle the day-to-day -day challenges pupils and teachers are facing. This government is failing our next generation. ballot held by the Dundee branch of the EIS resulted in an 88% yes vote in favour of strike action. The strike mandate is part of the union's Stop Faculties campaign, which hopes to overturn Dundee City Council's plans to introduce a faculty management system at the loss of 110 principal teacher posts. David Baxter EIS Dundee Rep said, they are trying to impose faculties against the will of their employees without any plan of the way it will happen or any agreements in place. And all they have done is angered their employees. What we need is more teachers, supply teachers, counsellors who can support kids with the trauma of the pandemic. This isn't nurturing. 
recruitment bodies in classrooms, reduced class sizes, more time out of teaching to do all the things that add value. That's what we need right now, not a new middle management system. Dundee City Council has previously said that it is hoping and willing to continue talks with trade unions. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Thank you very much for the news, Gail. You join us here in the Friday morning break. I'm Dorian Brown and you're joining me. I'll start that again. (laughs) Thank you for the news, Gail. This is the Friday morning break. I'm Dorian Brown and we are joined by Alex and John talking all things sustainability in the IB. Uh, The last section of the show, we really want to talk about how, um, you know, one one of the key things I think that we have sort of danced around really but not been too explicit about is the idea that actually the um the onus seems to fall on or the onus should potentially be uh on 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 teachers and leaders and and their capacity to be able to to train and to be able to lead and to be able to teach with sustainability as part of the uh, of the core as part of, of front and center um and so uh we we acknowledged earlier that depending on on, on an individual's uh, level of of sustainability awareness and 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 perhaps maybe um, uh, initiative uh, you know experience with that will influence and shape the uh, amount in which they teach uh, sustainability in the class. So with it not being perhaps maybe as explicit on as many of the the subject uh, uh, syllabi. Uh, what can we then do to ensure that we are empowering the teachers, empowering the leaders, etc., to uh, to to teach with sustainability as a kind of a run uh, as a as an undercurrent, perhaps, or something kind of running through everything which they do? Um, now, to kind of get Alex and John's idea on this, I I, I wanted to kind of uh, just bring in the, the 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 new the new natural history GCSE that the UK government have, have just introduced as part of their climate change and sustainability strategy. Um, obviously, that's, uh, uh, well, mi- mixed reviews, I suppose, but uh, I, I think it can only be seen as positive to, to, to start with. The, the, the nuts and bolts and the how that's going to work, etc., I guess, still need to be very much ironed out, you know, who, who teaches it, that kind of thing. Um, but one of the other things that the, the is in that strategy is that the UK government wants all schools and nurseries to actually have a designated sustainability lead by 2025. So a couple of questions uh, to Alex and John uh, is firstly, you know, is this something which can be seen as a, a, a positive move? And if so, how realistic do you think it will be? Um, I, I can kick off with that, if you like. Um, if we just start with the strategy, so five strands to the strategy, and very obviously lofty um, as an understatement, but there's nothing <laughs> wrong with being lofty. Um, it does, does devise a systems approach really to their strategy. So that has to be commended. So not only lofty, but also systems-based. So focusing on the knowledge, on the uh, education estate, the infrastructure, operations and supply chains, Mm. um, and international leadership in this area. So 
you know, that's, that's, it's hugely commendable, isn't it? And any step in the right direction has to be a step, a good step. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's got to be, it's progress yes. in one form or another. So it's difficult to criticize. Um, however, <laughs> let's <laughs> Difficult criticize. to criticize, but. <laughs> but um, if we just look at the GCSE natural history for a second, yes, it's, it's good that it's there. Um, but I am going to give the buts. So here, here they are. It's optional. Um, I think it would be a soft option. And it's another silo to put this in. And if you, you know? it, the perception of it would be a soft option perhaps as well, you think? I think so. Mm. I think so. Uh, but who, I, 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 it's a little early for me to make that judgment, I would say. Mm. But I, I think most importantly is that it's a silo. And, yeah. you know, this silo in my view, should be pulled apart, you know, awe and wonder in the natural world and the ecosystem and an understanding of the services that ecosystems provide us could ought to be woven through the entire curriculum, in my view. So that they should, the natural history GCSE should be the thread that pulls in a coherent manner the entire curriculum together it should not be a bucket that we put this stuff in that not everyone gets exposed to. So that's my, that's my, it's not the thing itself I'm criticizing. It's the mm. mechanism. Yes. I love that. I, I don't think you could put that any better either as well. That was fantastic. I think that's a really good, and it almost kind of hearts to what we're saying about the core and the IB, isn't it? In the way that it has to be that kind of the, 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 the driving, the driving yes. force on which everything it's else is built. It's a missed opportunity. That's how I feel about it, I suppose, mm. that it could be that core. Yeah. But time will tell. And maybe this it may evolve. Mm -hmm. We will have to, you know, we'll sort of have to see. But so 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 do we think then that having a designated person, and I, I've got my own kind of views on this myself as well, but having a designated lead on sustainability, one person in, in an organization that's going to be able to access the, the carbon uh, limiting training and things like that. How, how uh, what, what's your take on that, John? What do you think on that? I, I think that's going to be ineffective. Um, I also for clarity, uh, in, in, ineffective. Ineffective. Uh, yes. yes. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So, so one of the things which we've discovered from the webinars is this: that unless there's buy-in from the school administration, um, because all educational institutions are hierarchical, there's very little chance that someone working with this title on their own is going to be effective or successful. And it strikes me, this is just a, a tick box. Now we've got a sustainability lead, go over there, you can meet, meet her or him. Mm. It'll probably, as we've experienced for their work, uh, webinars, most of the people involved in this have been very passionate women. There haven't been too many guys that have been involved in it, but mm. it really concerns me that, that they've just put a designated lead because I think it, it requires much more than that to be successful. It needs, I, I would also say probably at, at governance, the board of governors of the schools need to have someone who's actively responsible for this on, the, on their committee. I think that, I think, go, that goes back to the systems-based approach. You know, if you, you put the onus on one person and that person isn't in a powerful position to make decisions then they're just they are just a tick box 
really. tick box and 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 some and, and someone to blame when 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 things yeah. don't, uh, don't, exactly. don't go well right it's got to be woven through the entire system from the gut like john says from governance through the purse strings through the management mm. uh, which supports the professional and personal development of teachers to enable them to empower students to think this way um but you know if if you've got one person holding all the cards and then training is implemented in that manner and then you know we've done our sustainability training for the year if that's what this becomes or you know i I don't know i I think this has got to be something much more creative than that yeah and even so, I mean, one might say that, well, have it a senior leader having that kind of responsibility. It, it, that, I don't think that even kind of solves it. It makes it perhaps better because it had the, the, its ability to build in a bit more buy-in and perhaps maybe the access to to, per, to budgets, perhaps maybe a little bit easier. But still, you know, the, the onus falling on one person, I think it's a it's a it's a false starter. But, you know, perhaps maybe within this strategy, there are many, many. It, it is a it, it's ambitious. Um, there's lots of things. Some of them are going to perhaps maybe be more successful than others. Um, the conversations are starting. The you know people are being put into place. Curriculum is being put into place. You know, as you said, Alex, any step, you know, uh, yeah. in, in the right direction. I think it would depend as well. Again, we're open to interpretation. That like this sustainability lead, what would their what's, what is within their remit? What is within their mm. power? I think defining that at a top level would be important. So if that sustainability lead is going to be the person that convenes uh, stakeholder circles within the school to solve problems and you've got representatives from those different areas within the school where these triads, whatever they are, Mm. can actually go about solving problems, you know, and and acting then you know that's a step in the right direction that's a step towards building these systems now if that sustainability lead can have that kind of power then that's awesome but then we've got to remember this is another thing on top of everything else so we have to ask the question what's going to go yeah something has to go what what are we not emotionally attached to Mm. that we can get rid of to Mm. free up the headspace the creativity and the time to be able to do this and you know so often especially in in teacher training you get that sort of eye roll at the beginning which is oh yeah teachers are always going on about the time Mm. you know well the time is a genuine issue here it's always been a genuine issue that needs solving and we don't need to do everything we do if this is taking a priority then let it take a priority Mm. put something on the back burner and this is our our attitude that we're going to have towards taking sustainability seriously and if that's really the case then let's let's shed some weight and that shows well, that shows the importance of it isn't it by taking by actually visibly saying we're not doing this right now because this takes precedent and I, and, I, and that reminded me of william's quote of you know in order to free up time you have to stop teachers doing good things so that they can do even better things um and that really does kind of show that and and i and i agree that one role that one person in that one role that isolated role also makes them it makes it difficult for critical reflection of what they're doing and everything as well if they're on their own so that kind of more you know, strategically uh, embodied that, that collective approach, I think, has, has perhaps maybe got a lot more um, legs to it than, than that one person on their own. A challenge, absolutely, a challenge for sure. Um, and something which is going to be actually quite intriguing, you know, if this is going to be in place all by 2025, you know, that always, that, that it always amazes me how far 
that seems in the future, but actually it's not. <laughs> you know? No, it's, um, it's three years. And I think there needs to be some serious thought on getting it as mm. right as it can be. Yeah. Not just creating another role in a school. Like, what does mm. this role look like? What does it mm. feel like? How can action take place? And yes, going back to that, what weight are we going to shed in order to prioritise this? If it's this important that there's a whole UK strategy, then yes. how are we going to prioritise this and what are we going to lose as a result? Um, and is, just, is it really a loss? Yes. Can I just clarify something? Are we talking about the UK or England? It's the um, UK strategy, it's, right? It's UK strategy. Mm. Because, I mean, the thing which stands out about also about this, about having a lead by 2025, is what sort of training program is going to be involved in, in this? Because it, it looks like a massive one. And you would also think that it, it'd have to be part of undergraduate uh, Bachelor of Educations, and that there needs to be something that's com a compulsory part of the Bachelor of Education or the PGCE course. That needs uh, to be in teacher training, absolutely. Yeah. Another thing that we need to add into teacher training <laughs> again, but which but, then but, begs the question: what what needs to go if this yeah. if this is that if this is so important? Which of course we yeah. do believe that it is. Then, and this is going to be prioritised. Then you know, yeah. whatever whatever's going to be shed needs to be thought about and then shed. Yeah, phenomenal talk thing to think about and I think that we're we're in the, the here and the now and, and it's going to be really interesting to see what's going to happen over the next two or three years um, but I completely agree that 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 everyone need, that, that there needs to be some serious thought because because you know time is of the of the essence so you know we haven't got two or three years to kind of see if something is going to work you know we need to make sure that we've kind of you know done everything that we can to make sure that it does work and I think it, you know it, it, it's although it's a step in a in, in I don't want to say the direction it's a step in direction you know we need to kind of make sure that those steps are a little bit more inf you know, evidence informed and a little bit more measured perhaps maybe to to ensure um a, a quicker upturn success perhaps um let, let's bridge that over then so we've been talking about um sort of training of staff in preparation for the introduction of the, the the new strategies let's bring it back to the ib then um and think about how you know the ib itself has set requirements and quite robust actually for for regular training of its programs you know if i'm right from memory at least one member of department has to have attended some training every three years or something like that you might have to correct me on that one john um but um how how will this look for sustainability training so so let's 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 imagine we're a few years down the line perhaps now and we're thinking that you know sustainability is something that you know is should 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 percolate and permeate through everything uh in in the in in the diploma program and sorry all all, all ib programs what will sustainability training look like um and and how do you feel that it should be delivered um to leaders and teachers okay um first of all let me briefly talk about the ib's pd program hmm. they at the moment they have three levels of training there's a level one which is for basic people just coming in, in new in service level two for experienced people and level three this is where sustainability is actually formally included as a workshop is basically for anybody who's interested mm. now one of the things that has to change is that becomes level one level two course 
And also where the IB is now teaching in universities, I know, for example, a friend of mine's teaching um, about the IB, an international education diploma or something in, in Korea. And um, that needs to be included in the course. And what should it include? Well, clearly, um, I think in terms of content, it needs to have some theory about, about what sustainability is and how it's being perceived over time. It, it needs obviously to consider um, systems theory and also to look at the, particularly at how this can be applied to complex problems and complex problems that exist within schools and institutions. And it also needs to have I think a project management component so that people can actually do things actively so they can actually work with their with and for their communities. And I think that's one of the things which is is something which the IB particularly is enthusiastic about doing, but not always so actively so wonderful at actually achieving. And I think that's um, uh, a real issue that needs to be addressed is about how do we get and practice what we're preaching in the, in our in the community in which the school the context in which the school is operating. So that's what I, I think. I uh, I uh, supervise the one group three uh, project that they sorry course that they run, which is called the Sustainable Future, and it in, included all three of those elements. Okay, and is that for lead? Is that for leaders? Leadership? No, that's for anybody who wants. For anybody to do who wants to do it, right? Okay. You know, um, John, I think you make a really important point there as well about project management, ideas into action. It's something you and I have discussed before regarding experiential learning and a huge emphasis on empowering students. And it's very difficult to to comprehend how teachers can empower students to take action if they haven't had the experience in scaling ideas into action themselves and know the basis of that pathway so having that embedded in training I think is extremely useful I suppose I could throw in an idealistic provocation um, to to the IB when it comes to training and sustainability I couldn't agree more about having it as category one training um, but uh, as part of corporate social responsibility perhaps it should also be be free so all, all, all um, resources currently anyway in this first stage of integrating sustainable mindsets into uh, programs, perhaps we, they could consider a, a degree of corporate social responsibility and democratize um, sustainability education for all as a component of that responsibility. Uh, that, that's similar to, again, the UK uh, strategy is uh, currently recruiting climate scientists and, and experts uh, to, to kind of lead certain uh, forms of, uh, of training in that regard. And I think that's a really powerful provocation to say that it should be free, because again, that's, it says exactly what, what you said earlier, Alex, about how we're prioritizing something and we're prioritizing something by showing that it is, you know, we're, we're breaking, we're trying to break down as many barriers as possible so that as many people as possible can do this. And one other 
thought I had just then is that we're kind of maybe talking about sustainability and, and, and operational and strategic and, 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 and holistically. How about this is the, the uh, as we said, nearer the beginning of the show, the, uh, the actual teaching of sustainability from subject to subject. So do, do the cap to subjects now, subject subject uh, training, they now also need to incorporate sustainability elements as well. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's um, an even more radical approach to this. And that's to look at, at the current structure in which we're actually doing things. We've mm -hmm. stuck with six subject areas at the moment from the diploma structure. That structure has permeated its way down the school so that middle years teachers are also stuck in those silos. And one of the things which came out from the discussion the other day um, that I was involved in is how do we break that up? How do we facilitate more interdisciplinary work? And at the moment, we none of the educational systems are actually trying to do that at all. They just want to stay with the same structures they've always had and leave it as, as it is. Now, I, I wonder whether we get to the point where we can actually have people working on, as in primary schools, on thematic issues which incorporate the basic skills and draw on various disciplines to do things. And you know, one of the um, models that we looked at in our webinars was the Da Vinci skills. And they came up with a set of five different project areas which involved drawing on different disciplines for the kids to actually carry out. Oh. So that's pretty radical thought, I know, but the, yeah. uh, I think that's... Um, I, and they've, I think they've also managed to weave in Da Vinci life skills, the um, national curriculum objectives throughout their interdisciplinary themes. Well, do you know what you make a you make a, 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 a huge point there? Um, you know, is is our education are our educational systems fit for fit for for the future? Fit for fit for fit for purpose for the for preparing students um, for for the for the future world? And you know, I think that that's a really nice place uh, to kind of put a little bit of punctuation because uh, uh, in in the green room uh, before the show here we've. Um, We've actually signed up to a third show, um, so I'm really excited to announce that we will have a, a, a trilogy, um, the Jedi Return of the, the Return of the Sustainability Jedi, as maybe we should call it, um, and we're going to uh, hope, um, invite you back uh, to another show where we're hopefully going to be able to look at the future of sustainability in education. So, I wonder if we might just give our listeners a little teaser trailer um, of uh, of what they might expect in that show and give us a maybe a one or a two liner of perhaps maybe what your thoughts or questions might be on the future of sustainability in education before we wrap up. I, I can start if you like, although um, this is just uh, this thought isn't really whole yet, mm. um, honestly, <laughs> um, but I can have a thought and I think it links into these attitudinal shifts whereby um, you know, the att attitudes necessary for sustainable mindsets are deeply integrated and woven through the education system. Uh, it, it's not in a silo, it creates 
uh, transferable skills and transferable attitudes across subjects that deepen our understanding of not only subjects themselves, but also our reliance upon ecosystem services, circular economics, and uh, in order to build a sustainable future. Now, it's, like I said, not a whole thought, it's a preliminary thought that we can explore. Sounds fantastic. And John? Okay, I don't know whether you remember Mr. Illich, de-schooling schools. I do not know. Oh, well, maybe that's a reflection of my age. <laughs> but um, one of the things I think we need to really consider is what should be the structure and framework of future schools mm. that are going to deliver this and in a way that, that can actually enable sustainability to not only be taught and understood intellectually and um, but also to enable students to learn to become activists as well. Oh, I love a little trailer. What a cliffhanger there. Alex and John, thank you so much for the time that you spent today with us here on Teachers Talk Radio. Very much looking forward to the next show with that little taster ahead of us. Hope everybody has a lovely day today and uh, I will see you next week. All the best. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.